Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. All right, hallelujah. Let's quickly go on with your uh, study in the world of marketing, and this is going to be part number five. And uh, we're still dealing with the three worlds and three heavens. And like I said before in the previous broadcast, this is going to be the world to come, the sea part, which is the third world. We're dealing with the third world. And like I said, Revelation of 16 and verse 14. Uh, don't forget, the main Thing we're dealing with is the word of Armageddon. Is that okay? And that's what I'm saying. This is part number five. But the subsection we're dealing with is the three, world to, uh, three heavens, which you'll find in the book of Second Peter, um, uh, chapter three, and from verse, verse, verse six down to verse thirteen. And in that section, we have three worlds. We have the world of Noah, the world and not is because of the present evil world, and then we have the world of the age to come. And so uh, here again. We look at uh, Revelation 16, and we just take 14 to 16 again, 14 and 16, in, in, in fact, but you can read from 12 to 16. But 14 and 16 said, The kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them together, talking about the spirit, to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And they gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue of Magadon. Amen. All right, so. Then when you come to the book of Second Peter 3, uh, reading from 12 to 13, it says, Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heaven, being on fire, shall dissolve, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So nevertheless, we, according to promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, well, into well, righteousness, 12 to 13, Second Peter. Now, how is it going to be? It is simply after the purging of the elements in the heavens. Remember what that stands for? The elements are in the heavens. And the works of the earth. The works are in the earth. The result is that what followed, just like the days of Noah, a new heaven and a new earth. We are indwelling righteousness. Is that okay? So those two realms of life, the heavens and the earth, are already been purged. And just exactly the way it was in the days of Noah, that will become the next thing that we're supposed to experience, which is a new heaven and a new earth. Praise the living God. Well in dwellers, righteousness. Okay. In Revelation 21, verse number 1, for instance, the Bible says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. No more sea. What is that supposed to mean? Is that the Atlantic Ocean, the Indian Ocean, or the Pacific Ocean? Of course, it's none of these. Look at the sea that is no more. When I say no more sea, what sea is it that he's talking about? Let's go quickly to the book of Jude. Uh, Jude is just one, one chapter. And we'll look at Jude, and we're going to go look at verse 1, down to um, verse 11 rather. Down to 13. Jude 11 to 13. Woe unto them, for they've gone in the way of Cain. Now, if you want to take a very close look at what Jude is saying here, 
I would rather want to think we go back a little. Let's back up a little bit. Instead of from verse 13, let's begin to read from... Um, let's start reading from verse number 10. Okay, let's take it from 11. Of course, we must go back to verse 8 now. Verse 8 rather. Likewise also these feety dreamers defy the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, when contended with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But they speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Verse 11, Woe unto them, for they've gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam, for a world and perish in the gainsaying of Korah. You know all of those things. Cain, Kilebe, right? Okay. Balaam was hired to prophesy to cause Israel in the wilderness as we were coming through. And then we know that Korah is one of those people that gang up to begin to speak evil of Moses and begin to say, well, they can also do some stuff like Moses was. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, verse 12. These are sporting your feast of charity. That's where come together in fellowship. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds the air without water, carried about a wind, trees whose fruit wither it, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots. And verse 13 now is the real thing. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Praise the living God. So you can see that. Who? What does it mean? Raging wave of the sea that Jude is talking about. It's referring to such ministries as Balaam, as Corinth, as Cain. Such people who do not have the true spirit of God. They are referred to as the sea. So when he said no more sea in the book of Revelation chapter 21, it's not dealing with the Atlantic Ocean. It's not dealing with the body of waters. It's dealing with the people. Did you see that? Now all men that are without the true spirit of God are likened to the sea. False ministries in particular. So now, Prophet Isaiah also lent voices to this. When you look at Isaiah chapter 57 verse 20, he said, but the wicked are like the troubled sea. Did you get that? When it come, cannot rest, whose waters cut a mirror and dead, there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. Did you get that? But the wicked are like the troubled sea. Why are the wicked? Men were not in Christ, of course. Now, when it, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dead, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked, Isaiah 57 verse 20. Are you getting the point? We're talking about no more sea. So when we say no more sea, it means no more of the society of a people living in falsehood of the deception of the devil. Hallelujah. We're talking of mankind and his system of operation is coming to an end. That Christ may take his rightful place among the nations. Praise the Lord. And so, you can also go back now to Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. What did he say? The Bible says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, 
and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, this, this, the next verse says, And I saw a great white throne, and he that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Revelation 20. Right? 10-11. So, the beast and the false prophet, who are they? And the Bible says the beast and the false prophet, they all, you know, gathered together and sent to the lake of fire. And to be tormented day and night, forever and ever. But brimstone. The beast and the false prophet. Now, it's important you understand this. You see, the body of Christ is called the church. Is that okay? The body of Christ is called the church. Even so, the body of the beast system, I mean, the, the, the devil, the system of the devil is called the beast. The church carries Christ's spirit. The beast carries the devil's spirit. Are you getting this? So when we talk about the beast, we are dealing with the system of the devil. Just like the church is the body or the system of Christ. This is why the beast and the false prophet or false ministries have to go into the same place. And what's that place? The lake of fire. Now, we are told that the heaven and the earth fled from the presence of the face of Christ. Why? We look at the book of Proverbs chapter 20 verse, uh, 20 verse number 8. It says, A king that sitteth in the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. Did you see that? So here we see that heaven and earth fled away from the face of Christ, meaning all that's evil, all that are evil carriers, all that represent evil, and the beast system, which is the devil, I mean the devil system, which is the beast, they all give way or flare from his presence. They can't stand in his presence. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Amen. So now, when you look at Ephesians 2 verse number 2, this is what it says. To you who were spiritually dead, all the time that you drifted along on the stream of this world's ideas of living, and obey some sin ruler who is operating in those who do not respond to the truth of God. To you, Christ has given life. This from the Philips translation. Ephesians 2 verse number 2. I'll take it again. To you who were spiritually dead in all that you you all, all that time that you drifted along with the stream of this world's ideas of living. And obey some singular who is operating in those who do not respond to the truth of God. To you, Christ has given life. So, this present world is just drifting along, being dominated by the powers of darkness, the rulers of this present evil age. Praise the Lord. Okay. This is why it's very interesting. We look at the book of Romans chapter 5, and uh, we look at uh, 9 to 10. In the book of Romans chapter 5, 9 to 10. Here is what it tells us on Amplified Translation. Don't forget that. This present evil world, we have been delivered from it. We have been saved from it. Like we read in Galatians 1 verse 4. He gave himself of that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And we're just trying to define what the evil world stands for again in this particular passage. Remember, he's saying the earth and the heavens fled from his presence 
or from his face. And there's no more sin. So now, in a fit, I mean, in the book of Romans, chapter nine, I mean, chapter five, nine to ten, and this is what he says. Therefore, since we are now justified, believers, acquainted, made righteous, and brought into right relationship with God by Christ's blood, we shall be saved by Him from the indignation and wrath of God that will come upon the ungodly. We shall be saved, daily delivered from sin's dominion through His resurrection. Romans chapter 5. 9 to 10, the Amplified. I take that again. Therefore, since we are now justified, get a point, you already a believer, acquainted, made righteous, brought into right relationship with God by Christ's blood, we shall be saved by Him from the indignation and wrath of God that come upon the ungodly. Second Peter, remember that? The ungodly judgment is coming for the ungodly. Right, but we are delivered from this ungodly. The judgment is coming, it's not coming to us. He said, We shall be saved, daily delivered from his dominion through, I mean, delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection, not through his life. Right, so when you look at John 6, verse 51, we're told, The bread that I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh, which is the word of God. So we're daily delivered. Not just by only the word of God, but also by his spirit that dwelleth in us. Praise the Lord. And so that's why Ephesians 2 verse 2 is saying, Those of us who are drifting along by the principle of the cause of this world, which has to do with the prince of the power of the air, we've been delivered from such power, such dominion through the spirit of Christ. On a daily basis, this is taking place. So how true is this? That the average Christian today is not looking for the same thing Peter and John were looking for. A new heaven and a new earth. Most are anxious to get off of this earth and go to heaven. You, you understand what I'm saying? That is the concern of so many people. They want to get off out of this earth and go to heaven. But that is not the plan of God. Praise the Lord. Now when we talk about the world to come, we're talking about the kingdom age. Get it right. Here it is. In the book of Daniel, for instance, Daniel 2, when you look at 34 to 35, it says, That's where the stone was caught out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together. And became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. That no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Hallelujah. The stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. It's interesting for us to understand something here. You know, when, when people teach about this rapture thing, and they talk about, oh, there's going to be seven years period, you know, tribulation, Christ comes again, and so on and so forth. You can see from here, the image, the stone that broke the, 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 the feet of the image, he grew and filled the whole earth. There is a constant and increase of development. And the Bible says, the government upon his shoulder, the increase of the government, there shall be no end. 
there is no time this stone begin to grow and became stunted in his growth for about seven years and then it comes back again and continue. There is nothing like that. Jesus came and said he came to establish a kingdom and rightly true that is what he did. Hallelujah. So it's a continuous process right from when this vision was given and right from where Christ came. So, the little stone, the very kingdom of God, is overtaking all that speaks of the kingdoms of man. Can you get that? All of those kingdoms in the image of Daniel were broken by this little stone. That means there is another kingdom that is overtaking all of those kingdoms that were depicted in that image that Daniel saw. Everything about man and his system, the forces of religion, are all fleeing away from the very presence of the glory of God as he unveiled the earth with his kingdom. It's interesting and important you understand that. That everything about man and his system, the forces of religion, are all fleeing away from the very presence of the glory of God as he unveiled the earth with his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Now when you go to Isaiah chapter 2, and verse 2 to 3, you now begin to see this prophetic establishment of this word of God. And it, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. Glory to God. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go out. I mean, go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he shall teach us his ways. And we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Amen. Which has to do with the church. You see, the church shall be the place where men shall come to lie in wisdom, understanding how to live. Because the life of God is going to be flowing from the church, which is the kingdom of God, being established upon the face of the earth. And the Bible says, it begins to follow that the Bible says, all of this mountain, you see, shall come in. And the nation shall flow, where? Into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Furthermore, when you look at what, what you find in the book of Revelation 18 verse 1, Bible says, And Asia came down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. What is it supposed to mean? This is no other person than Christ in his redemptive glory, lightened up all mankind, a art. For in him, which is a word, was life, and the life was a light of man. Man speaks of the art, the mankind. That was a true light which lightened every man that cometh into the world. Humanity. John chapter 1, 1 to 4, and verse number 9. I take that for you again. Amen. Remember, we say here in Revelation 18, verse 1, an angel came from heaven having great power, and the earth was lighting with his glory. That's so important. And I'm trying to tell us when you look then in John chapter 1, because this is Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, 1 to 4, and verse 9. This is what you're going to get. There is no other person here that we're dealing with other than Christ Himself. Is that okay? This is Christ coming down in his redemptive glory to lighten up all mankind, which is it. You see, in verse 1 to 4, For in him, which is the word, was life, and the life was the light of man. Verse 4 in particular, mankind. That was a true light, which lightened every man that cometh into the world. 
which is humanity now. Verse number 9 of John. Praise the living God. Are you there? Amen. So, the mind of Jesus and that of the Father is found in one word. Thy kingdom come, that will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is the mind of Christ and this is the mind of the Father. To be delivered from his present evil world doesn't mean to be taken anywhere. It means to be in a different condition or state of being than the world. Articulate this prayer of Jesus. Just think about it. In John 17, 15 to 17. What did you see in that particular passage in the book of John? And it's important, I think, we read this so that you can see what I'm talking about. And we're talking about John chapter 17. Let's look at 15 to 17 as well. John 17, 15 to 17. And this is what he said. I have given them thy world. I'm reading from verse 14 rather. I have given them thy world. And the world had hate them. Because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. 16 says. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. To be of something means you are made of that thing. Now verse 17 says. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Praise the living God. Did you get that? I pray that you take them not out of this world. But to keep them from the evil one. Praise God. So again. To be delivered from the present evil world into the kingdom of God, the new age, is a taste of the power of the age to come. Like you find in the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse number 13, I mean 12 to 13. We're talking about the world to come. The world to come that there's fullness of the kingdom of God. Amen. If you look at Colossians, um, Colossians chapter, first of all let's look at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6 and he found interesting reading there. Hebrews 6, 4 to 5. This is primarily talking about the Jews. And he says 6, what is that? That's 4 to 5. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, which is the Holy Spirit, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the world to come. Did you get that? The power of the world to come. Speaking about the time the Holy Spirit will come. You must understand that this was written before the Holy Spirit was poured out. I mean the age, uh, let me say, uh, was poured out as it were. The age to come, the life to come. Speaking about love to the Holy Spirit. Now we're talking about those who have tasted of the gift. Listen closely. Here are the Jewish believers who already have the gift of the Spirit. They've also come to the place of manifesting all of those gifts of the Spirit. And the Bible says, going back to Judaism, you can partake of the age to come. Because this is a taste of the age to come. That thing which is going to be operational in the age to come. You're already partaking of it. If you go back, then you can't. It's impossible to, to bring you back because you're going to be doubting what you already have before. Amen? 
That's what he's telling us. People who backslide from the faith, you really, really can't bring the bar because you know what? They will say, oh, we've been there before. We've tasted that before. Oh, we've been there. We were born into that. You understand that? That's exactly what he's talking about here. So he's talking about the Jews who have tasted of the power of the age to come, which is the age of the fullness of the kingdom of God. Of God. That's what we're dealing with now. Praise the Lord. So, when you look at the book of Colossians, for instance, uh, Colossians chapter 1, look at 12 to 13. And, uh, and this is what it says, 12 to 13. Uh, here we go. Colossians chapter 1, 12 to 13. And said, Giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Can you get that? Alright, praise the Lord. So this is this is what we're talking about. We say here we've been delivered from the present evil world and we're looking towards the fullness of the kingdom of God. So as just as Noah walked in his days, like we find in Joanne, I mean Genesis six verse number nine, even so God is God is expecting us to walk in this present moment as we await the fullness of the glorious dawn of his glory on the face of the earth. Praise the living God. Are we still here? Alright, amen. So, just to keep you in mind, keep this in, in your mind again. What we read in John 17, 15-17 gives us something very, very powerful to think about. I pray not that that should take them out of the world, but that Allah should keep them from the evil one, or the evil. Yet, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctified and true that true, that word is truth. John 17, 15 to 17. Like we have said before, this rule out everything about the rapture belief. This job demolished everything about the rapture belief. Jesus is saying, I don't want you God to take them out of this world. You keep them. So just as it was in the days of Noah, remember, yet Noah's condition, instead of being in that corrupt world, he walked perfect with God. Even so, the Father is expecting us to walk with him. At this age runs out of his cause. It's running out already. This age, this season is running out already. You got to understand that. Is that okay? God is not taking you out. Just I know I was not taken out. Noah was in the system that was so corrupt. But the Bible says he walked perfect with God. Genesis verse number 9. That is what God expects us to do and to walk in. Praise the Lord. Are you there? We know the word of Jesus, for instance. We know the word of Jesus who ruled this present evil world. I mean, according to the word of Jesus, we know the man that ruled the present evil world. The major thing that he has with him is death. That's the devil. He ruled the world. He has dominion with the present evil world. With death as his major gift. But here is Christ's declaration about his evil genius and his ultimate end. If you look at the book of uh, uh, Amplified again, what will he say? In the book of, Num- I mean, uh, the book of John. Okay? The book of John. Chapter 12. And now the judgment of this world, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. When you look at it, now I, I, I want to read this so that you also see it from the book of, I, I would like to read it some more far from the book of uh, the Amplified Translation. But let me just take this for you from the book of um, the King James Version. And now it says, 
verse 31. And the book of John 12, verse 31. This is what it says. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. That's the King James. But when you look at it from the Amplified Translation, this is what it says. Now the judgment, the crisis of this world is coming on. Sentence is now being passed on this world. Now, the ruler, the evil genius, the prince of this world, shall be cast out, expelled. Praise the living God. That is what you see in the Amplified Translation from John chapter number 12 and verse 31. Amen. Now, what is the major instrument of this warfare that we are looking at? In 1 John chapter 2, I want you to look at this. 4 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the loss of the flesh, and the loss of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. Take that again. For all, 4 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the loss of the flesh, and the loss of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father. But it's off the wall. So these are all factored on deceit. I want you to get that. All of these things are deception. And that's the power that the devil uses. So all these are coming to an end. What I'm trying to make you understand. When we talk about the end of this world. Which is this age. This present age. All that pertains to the loss of the flesh. The loss of the eye. The pride of life. Which is not of the father. But of the world. They are coming to an end. By that I mean they will no longer have dominion over those. I, I, I want you to get this. They will no longer have dominion over those who have come to receive the Christ. Listen closely. This world, what is in this world, the house of the world, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the art, the pride of life. Are you listening? Right. They are not of the Father. And I'm saying all of these are coming to an end. How? Because they no longer have dominion over those who have received Christ as their Lord and Savior. Therefore, the more people get into Christ, the more the kingdom of darkness diminishes. By implication, we're starving the devil to death. For if we have nothing to walk with and walk on. Like Jesus will say in the book of John 14 verse 30. The prince of the world cometh, and he had nothing to me. Meaning, all that we are passing through, for instance. He, Christ, passed through them. In the hands of Satan. I mean all the temptation. All of those things. Lot of flesh. Lot of the heart. Pride of life. He had all of those experiences. But he got the victory over them. Because Satan cannot get hold of him. In other words, he couldn't find anything that relates to the loss of the flesh, the loss of the heart, the pride of life. Even so shall he be for us too. He being our senior brother. You must understand. If you look at the, the, the New English Bible, in, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, this is what it says. The children of a family share the same flesh and blood. So he too shared ours, so that through death, he might bring the power of him who had dead at his command. That is the devil. Can you get that? Right. He destroyed it. He partook 
of the same flesh and blood. He had the same, in fact, we are his relation. He is our senior brother. So everything we are passing through, he has passed through them. But he overcame all of those things. Even so, God has determined by his spirit that we can also overcome this stuff at this particular time. And I'm saying, the more we overcome those things, the more the devil's kingdom diminishes. Are you getting that? The more God's kingdom is established. So it's not a matter of going somewhere or being translated to somewhere else. Right here as Noah was, we can overcome the loss of the flesh, the pride of life, and the loss of the eyes. Jesus had that opportunity. He had the grace to do that, even though he was flesh and blood like us. So we see that the dominion of Satan was in the realm of death, darkness, and evil. And though Jesus has overcome him and been given the dominion, the realm of life, light, and righteousness, yet Satan is allowed to exercise his dominion of death and darkness through the remainder, the remainder of this age upon all who do not become identified in Christ with his victory and triumph. And this is why he remains in that sense of the God of this present evil world. Get this right. When we say Satan is the God of the present evil world, we are simply saying that though Jesus have overcome is gotten the dominion right over dead over deceit now he has the power of life light and righteousness there are people who still do not have been able to come into this and because they have not come into the life light and the righteousness of christ such people the devil still have dominion over them and in that sense we still say the devil is the prince of this world. Hallelujah. That is the only reason why he is still the God of the present evil world. Because there are people that are still walking in and through. Praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about something which is very important here. Which has to do with the shaking of the heavens and the earth. And this is very important. In the book of Isaiah 13, and uh, now we look at Isaiah 13, and then we look at Isaiah 51 and, and 6. Uh, it's important we just look at this. We are told in this passage, the Bible says, and the rod of God, I'm just going to paraphrase a few sections here for you. In the rod of the, of the Lord God of hosts, and in the day of his fierce anger, wherein the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wash old like garment, which has to do with actually the old covenant. The principle of life of the old covenant, the Bible says, waxing old and vanishing away. So if you look at Hebrews 8, verse 13, you find that. You're talking about the heavens and the earth vanishing away, or the old covenant vanishing away. Is that okay? Right. But what is that supposed to mean, like we find from Isaiah, which actually Paul now picked up, because Paul borrowed that language, you know, of vanishing away in the book of Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13. He took it from the book of Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 51 verse 6. Praise the Lord. So, what does it really mean? Is dealing with is it dealing with the literal uh, objects like the planet, earth, and the skies? We so say the heavens, you know, be shaking and then going away. Is it dealing with the physical climate, physical earth there, and then and then the planet, earth? Is that what you think he's talking about? 
Hallelujah. Are they not wearing that is in those still engaged in the religious activities and elementary principle of life shall die in like manner? What I mean is, here the scripture is saying, the heaven and earth is being shaken and those that dread during shall die in like manner. What is that supposed to mean? It simply means those who are still engaged in all of the things that are supposed to be passing away are also going to pass away alongside with those things. And you find the same principle in the days of Noah. How did you see that? The Bible made us understand they were eating and drinking until the flood came and took them all away. They always go together with the things that God is removing. Are you seeing that? Praise the living God. So, let's quickly give a clear definition of this heaven's shaking or vanishing away as Paul borrowed this language, like I said, from the book of Isaiah. And we want to look at the measure translation. In this context, we'll look at the measure translation. And I would like us to look at Hebrews chapter 12, 25 to 26 from the message translation. And this is what it says. Remember, we're dealing with the heavens and the earth being shaken and they're passing away. Right? Okay. Hebrews 12, and then we'll look at 25 to 29 from the message translation. And this is what it says. So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignore earthly warnings by the law of my Sinai didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? The new covenant now. The ideas of the new covenant. Is that okay? Right. Now verse 26. His voice that time shook the earth to his foundations. This time, he's told us this quite plainly. He's also rocked the heaven. He will also rock the heavens. And then he said, one last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stem. Verse 27. The phrase, one last shaking, means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk, so that the unshakable essential stand clear and uncluttered. Then verse 28. Do you see what we got? An unshakable kingdom, praise God. An unshakable kingdom. When all of those historical junks are being done away with, we receive an unshakable kingdom. And you see how thankful we must be. Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverencing before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He is actively cleaning house. Touching, T-O-R-C-H-E, I mean, H-I-N-G, that's the bone. He's, he's, he's cleaning house, he's touching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until all is cleansed. God himself is fire. So what is God consuming? He's consuming all of the historical junk and shaking the heaven and the earth so that all the shakable essentials stand cleared out and uncluttered will be removed and then what happens we receive an unshakable kingdom what is supposed to mean you see even as i'm talking to you there are things that are losing from your life there are things that you're giving up in your life because you've come to find that they are not essential they are not they are not needed they don't they don't seem to in fact they can project that which is the kingdom of god and the bible is saying when all these things have been cleaned out our mind have been washed if i may use the word through the light and the spirit of god we get in the kingdom of god established within us praise the living god can you get this 
that when the father is dealing with even today, what dealing with even today is the religious historical junks in order that the truth might be allowed. The new covenant principle to stay that we may experience God. This is what he is doing. All of those elementary principles that we walked through before in the days of in the days of Moses when Moses gave all of those laws, all of those things have been washed away. They are the shakable essentials, so that the things that ought not to be moved might remain. We're talking about when God will begin to give his life to us or rule our life by his spirit. Now to the Jews, what was their mainstay? There were the Jewish laws and rituals as we have stated before. And that all these things were the heaven of authority and power. Now don't forget again that the book of Hebrew we're reading AD 60 63, between 63 and 67, and Jerusalem fell in AD 70. That's about some few years. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. See, that is why in that Hebrew 8.13, it said that the old order is ready to vanish away. Ready to vanish away in relation to what is going to happen in AD 70. Meaning that order was about to come to an end, and that happened when the temple with its rituals and priesthood ended in AD 70. Amen. So, why is this so? Because their source of life, which is heaven, is gone, and he that has this life, remember what the scriptures say, that the things of this world shall lose it, but he that loses his life now in Christ shall find true riches in him, like you find in the book of Luke, chapter 9, 24. And then 12 verse 15. Praise the Lord. This is because according to the book of Hebrews again. I mean Isaiah 13 verse 13. 51 verse 6 I read before. My salvation in Christ shall be forever. And my righteousness which is God's way of true worship. Right standing with God shall not be abolished. Is that okay? Isaiah 13 verse 13. The shaking of the heaven. Isaiah 51, verse number 6, my righteousness, my salvation is coming, which cannot be abolished. Praise the living God. So please understand also what God is consuming. When you say our God is a consuming fire, it is our religious idiosyncrasies that is consuming. Our, our ideology, our, our human philosophy that is what he is consuming. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Are you still there with me? That is what he's dealing with. So, God at this moment is shaking all that needs to be shaken. Reason? So that that which cannot be shaken may remain. That we may have his life. Manifest and live out his life on the face of the earth. Friends, the kingdom of God. Is increasing on a daily basis on the face of the earth. You won't understand how this is working out. But check your life in the truth, says we are true believer. That the life you live a few years ago is not the life you're living right now. There are changes and they are going to continuously be what? Changes. Praise the living God. So friend, this is the heaven and the earth that is passing away. That we're receiving a kingdom 
which cannot be shaken, which is God's kingdom, which is the third world, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Hallelujah. That is what we're looking for. Not a rapture, not to go into anywhere else, but to have a renewed act, just like it was in the days of Noah. I want to remind you that God is interested in this art. And God is going to fix it, no matter what anybody thinks about it. Praise the living God. Nothing is going to be going wrong. It's man that has a problem. The art has no problem. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. So everything that man thinks about or fears he wants to put into place, God is shaken that his own will, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to let you know that prayer is being answered, is going to be answered, is already been answered. Praise the living God. For the increase of his government, there shall be no end. That is where we are right now. Bless you. I pray and I believe that these have been able to help you to understand the agenda and the place that we are right now in the scheme of things. As far as God's intent and purposes for life on the earth is concerned, we are beginning to move into a new season, a new kingdom with glory and power. Praise the living God. God bless you. I'll see you some other time. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.